Okay, we're back. We're back. Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, I, you know, I know it's a bit late, but this is the first show of 2021, so uh, it does feel appropriate. And uh, although, I mean, having said that, although it, it would be appropriate to wish everyone a happy new year, uh, I, ha- I never dreamt it would sound so uh, bitterly ironic and arguably sarcastic as well. Because let's face it, it is not a happy new year, really, is it? It's a new year, for sure. Uh, but we're back in lockdown. And you know what? I just, oh, I, I mean, ironically, I've got a show called Lockdown Lemonade. And, you know, season one was, you know, a huge uh, sort of, you know, success and loads of fun. And I loved it. And then season two felt like a, a little gift, didn't it? Because, you know, uh, you know, the lockdown was over. I thought, oh, what are we going to be doing? Oh, no. And then it's like, whoa, yay. You know, there's another lockdown, but it's only a short one. So it wasn't too bad. And it was like, oh. And then, you know, now we're back into lockdown again. It's not, we're not just back into lockdown. Now. We're back into lockdown after what was the worst Christmas ever. It should have been a great Christmas. It should have been a great Christmas because the government said, uh, you absolutely definitely uh, weren't going to be seeing your in-laws. So, <laughs> yeah, guilt-free. You know, you could spend the whole thing drunk in your underwear and uh, you know that would be perfectly fine and granny wouldn't see you sleeping uh, uh, on the sofa in a puddle of your own wee but instead everyone uh, you know got infected by a mutant strain of uh, the COVID-19 virus and the new mutant strain has got all sorts of new unexpected symptoms uh, like nosebleeds and diarrhea and you know all sorts of things just to make it just to make it better than before and you know wow and then when all that was over we thought okay well you know it can't get any worse can it and then it's like wham here's 2021 and here's a new slice of lockdown so sorry sorry about that everybody it's a bit it's a bit crap isn't it but have you noticed that um the lockdowns and the coronavirus uh sort of restrictions uh bear a strange similarity to the Jaws franchise of movies because let's face it the the first Jaws uh, which wasn't called Jaws 1 just uh, for the millennials listening it was just called Jaws Uh, the original Jaws um, was like the first lockdown wasn't it insofar as it was uh, um, sort of you know scary and unexpected and we didn't know what was coming and we'd never really seen anything like it before and there was a lot of nasty surprises but at the same time what came out of it was a, a kind of uplifting story about how you know very different people can come together within the community and work together to uh, you know achieve uh, a positive outcome that benefits everyone I guess uh, in a way and you know it's a story of people coming together and you know uh, uh, you know, uh, it's a human uh, triumph in the face of adversity, and that felt, you know, yeah, really positive. Lockdown two, uh, similarly, was was kind of like Jaws two. You know, we, we we knew what to expect. It was very similar in, in many respects to the first one. You know, you were still surrounded by all the same people, uh, a few new faces possibly on the screen, uh, but pretty much, yeah, it was it was much you know, uh, of a muchness, except, uh, you know, we all decided we were going to pack it with more of the sort of, you know, the good bits of the first one. So, you know, like Jaws 2, uh, more action, uh, more sort of, you know, uh, big planned set pieces and stunts. And, you know, but oddly, though, because we'd all been there before, um, you know, by the, by the time we got to the end of it, it was, meh, you know, it was all right. It wasn't, uh, you know, it didn't have the sort of the, the human high points uh, drama uh, of the first one, but it was... Okay. And then, yeah, lockdown three came along, and that's that's basically like 
Jaws 3, isn't it? I mean, there, there just wasn't enough material left to justify another one. And, um, you know, when you heard it was coming, uh, you didn't even get slightly excited. And then about 10 minutes into it, you turned to the person next to you and said, you know what, this is shit, I want to go to the pub. Hi, you're listening to Lockdown Lemonade with me, Andrew Keith Walker. Now, for years, I lived like a weird, creepy loner in the woods, like something out of a horror film, uh, because I'm a writer and that's what we do. But when the lockdown came, first time round, you know, I started connecting with people again and actually I suddenly had a much better social life than before. So it got me thinking, maybe everyone else has got something unexpected that's positive out of the lockdown. So I've been asking people to share their stories of the things that have made the lockdown bearable and maybe even the things that they've discovered that they're going to keep when it all stops. Because they say when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. So when life gives you lockdown, make lockdown lemonade. Okay, so it's a new lockdown, and it is a new format for Lockdown Lemonade. So, I mean, obviously, there's there's still an interview every week, and there's still me doing a a bit at the beginning, but uh, more of our old guests are coming back and sending in their own little reports and uh, snippets and interesting tidbits for us to enjoy and to try and brighten up our lockdown. And we're going to start with this piece from Debbie Locke. Debbie at littlebarncakes.com, the award-winning cake designer, who has decided that because no one can get a Tesco's delivery anymore, she's going to use up all the food in her cupboards and uh, where better place to start than her grandmother's cookbooks from the 1940s yeah i found the economical cookery book from 1940 uh i found something in here that i thought you'd love get your pens and paper ready so what you'll need are two mutton chops Uh, because we know we've all got those stuck in the fridge somewhere. Uh, And then your your favourite, two bananas. Yes, you heard that right, two bananas. So basically, here we go. Are you ready? Wash and dry the chops, cut off the gristle, Mm. and any surplus fat. Melt the surplus fat in a frying pan and fry the chops in it for eight to ten minutes until they feel spongy when pressed with a knife. Lift them onto a hot dish. Now comes the best part. Slice the bananas in half and then in half again. Now fry them carefully in the fat. (laughs) Sounds delicious. And then lift them onto the chops. Pour the fat from the pan over the chops and the bananas and season lightly (gasps) and then just serve with mashed potato Mm, my goodness it sounds absolutely delish might give it a go myself tomorrow so uh yeah if you're looking for any more you know sort of helpful tips on uh you know saving your food that you've got because obviously there'll be nothing left in the shops by the end of the week um just get in touch and i will look in my economical cookery book from 1940 and see what i can come up with uh for now ta-da Of 
course, uh, you're probably also thinking, uh, you know, you're locked up. Uh, you're probably thinking, eh, do you want a good book to read? Do you want some good book recommendations? Well, fortunately, Jill Harrison, who's an avid reader, a very, very old friend of mine from school, and also runs a book club in Northampton, uh, has sent us this week's recommendation. Um, I am recovering from COVID and it's been pretty awful for our family, but I have to say the books and that my listening to audio books has really got me through. And one of the things I listen to, um, which comes under the category of feel-good fiction, is The Authenticity Project by Claire Pooley. And that's what I'm going to review for you today. So it's definitely a feel-good fiction um, and... The book itself is about a uh, set in Fulham in a cafe owned by a lady called Monica, who is our um, main character. And she runs this cafe <clears throat> um, for her local community. And a, and a book appears, which has been left by a member of the community. And it's like an honesty book. And somebody's written in it what they wouldn't perhaps normally tell anybody um not necessarily secrets but it's a little bit about themselves and basically it's left in the cafe and people are encouraged to write in it and be honest um and kind of let down their their front if you like um so it's the story about the people who write in the book and the stories that they write and what happens with those people um, as the book is shared in the community. And I really quite in, liked this premise. I thought it was a, a clever idea and I like the idea of authenticity. And I thought, oh, yeah, it's, you know, this has got some potential um it's the other thing about this book is it's multi-generational so uh, although monica is <clears throat> a sort of a mid-30s lady um the other character who plays a very big part in this book is uh, uh an eccentric artist called julian who's actually in his late 70s 80s uh he's a, a fashionista and um, a bit of a Jack the Lad, but he's a great addition to this story. There's a bit of everything in this book and it works. And the story is well written, engaging, and I found I really did want to know what happened to the characters. I've decided I'm going to try and compare um, or um, give you an idea of what the book would be if it were a cake or a biscuit. So my feeling is that this book the authenticity project by claire pooley if it was a biscuit would be a viennese whirl it's rather light and slightly um crumbly with a very sweet middle so that is the authenticity project by claire pooley i would give it three and a half out of five Hello, fellow Lockdown Lemonade listeners. I'm Lainey Bertino, Andrew's American BFF, and today we're going to make a classic American cocktail. In fact, it is my favorite cocktail called The Last Word, which I am drinking now, cheers, and is featured in my 2020 cocktail cookbook, Bartender, I'm Gonna Need Something Stiffer. The last word is actually a Prohibition-era cocktail, so I cannot take credit for creating it. 
merely for drinking it and lots and lots of it. For you listeners in the UK who may not be familiar with the prohibition, it was a dark time in the United States from 1920 to 1933. A full 13 years when alcohol was prohibited from being sold or transported. Let the horror of that sink in. However, prohibition did give rise to great things like cocktails and expanded women's rights. Of course, suffrage and war contributed to women's rights as well, but the connection to alcohol consumption is equally as strong and infinitely more interesting. You see, prior to Prohibition, public drinking was the domain of the patriarch. It was considered immoral and often illegal in the United States for a woman to drink in public. A woman in a saloon was assumed a prostitute. But with Prohibition, public drinking became unilaterally illegal. And so women were as welcome in speakeasies as men, giving rise to female rebelliousness during the Roaring Twenties. Bobbed hair, red lips, shortened skirts. Oh my. But I digress. We are here for cocktails after all. So gather your ingredients and let's get shaken. The last word is made of equal parts gin. A London dry gin works well here. Green chartreuse, maraschino liqueur, and freshly squeezed lime juice. I cannot stress enough that this cocktail needs to be equal parts. Do not cheat on the chartreuse because it costs your firstborn child. It is worth your firstborn child, and it is essential that all parts are equal for the balance of the drink. Combine all ingredients in a shaker with ice, strain into a lovely coupe glass, garnish with a cocktail cherry, and enjoy. I hope you have enjoyed your mini lockdown lemonade American cocktail history. Salute. Uh, how about you? How are you feeling? Oh, did a um, two-hour walk yesterday, I think I mentioned. And in my head, I was completely back to normal. Um, I, to be fair, I haven't been doing the walks with the kids because I just haven't felt like it. So I, I haven't really tested myself. And um, I got carried away and it was a lovely walk, but I got uh, about an hour and a half and I had to nip in the butchers and buy a sausage roll, which ironically happened about three minutes after I told the kids, I'm going to become vegetarian because it's really bad to eat animals. So, uh, <laughs> but I got a bit lightheaded and um, yeah, like a bit weird again. And I was like, oh God, I feel a bit strange. I, don't, I can't get back to the car unless I have a sausage roll. Well, being ill with kids as well, that's tough, just generally. I mean, I, I totally have that sausage roll. I mean, the thing is, it's weird, isn't it? Because, you know, when they're first ill, um, you know, because it means that they've sort of slowed down, they're, they're much quieter and, and more snuggly, you're sort of like, oh, you know, oh, no, I hope they get well soon. But there's a part of you that thinks, oh, but look, they're all snuggly and lovely and, and nice. And then you get sick and they get better. And then suddenly they're jumping around, just being the normal selves and just, you know, noisy and wrecking the place and everything. And, and you feel ill and you're like, oh, God, oh, God, I'm gonna, if I was well enough to get out of this bed, I'd kill them. Um, so how, how was Christmas with COVID and kids for you? Christmas. There was a lot. I mean, there was a lot of screen time, wasn't there, for the kids? There was a lot of screen time this, this Christmas, for sure. Yeah. Which I, they weren't complaining about, but... Um, yeah. I well, I've got to ask you because uh, my two, the more screen time they have, is directly proportional to uh, you know how angry they get with me when I switch it off. I've started using it as a bargaining tool now, 
uh, screen time and mine have never been big into video games, which I'm very happy about. Although Sammy's now starting to ask about some. Um, so I've been using that as a bargaining tool for home learning and stuff now. Oh, that's good. That's Does it work? Uh, didn't the other day when he went, I don't care. And I was like, well, I've got nowhere to go with this now. <laughs> That's the voice of my friend Laura Huxtable and our children are at school together and they both got COVID and we both got COVID and spent most of Christmas uh, on WhatsApp uh, saying, oh my God, something else has gone wrong now. Blimey, I wasn't expecting that to happen and ow, that hurts. Uh, so that's been pretty awesome. But Laura has a really interesting story because she used to have a high-powered job in the city, but now she is a gardener and she's changing her life. And, you know, if anyone's got a really good way to make uh, lemonade out of life's lemons, it's her. We've been lucky in a way, because you know it can obviously be much worse. Hmm. And although it wasn't great, you know, what we, we survived it okay. But it's been good for that sort of, you know, misery loves company Dunkirk spirit, hasn't it? It's yeah. it's been it's been good. It's been a good good in a way for, you know, reaching out, uh reaching out to your network, your community, uh yeah. of other, you know, similarly sort of like typhoid Mary sick people. And feeling like, uh, you know, okay, good, there's someone else there out there who feels as shit as me. It's amazingly British that you don't mind feeling shit as long as someone else is feeling worse, right? That's As long as you can talk about it for 90% of the time that you're actually awake. Yeah, it's true. No, we've spent a lot of, we've, we've clocked up some WhatsApp miles. Saying, "Oh God, I just, I just got up for five minutes and now I've got back into bed." There was, uh, I had a few days like that. Um, So. How now? But the thing is, of course, you know, how was Christmas for you? Because Christmas with COVID is a particularly special time. How was it? Because the thing is, the kids bounce back pretty quick. Yeah, like twenty four hours. Yeah, yeah. And they're not even like ill when they're ill with it, are they? They're not really. They're not ill enough. I don't think no. they really. You know, they don't. They're not sympathetic enough. On they the did other, not suffer enough for what they reaped on the house. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> sure. So, what about? I mean, had you, you see, had you overbought? We had overbought because we actually thought people would be coming for Christmas, and then it all cancelled at the last minute. So, yeah. yeah. Are you still eating turkey? We did get, we got a small turkey. Um, so, we got through it quite quick. I made lots of soups and curries and stuff, um, which didn't didn't last in my stomach for long, but never mind. I did get to taste them at least. Um, and we froze the four river beef, which cost about £4,000 uh, and had that on New Year. So that wasn't too bad. Um, and I've made lots of, as you know, uh, lots of fur, Vietnamese fur with the bones um, and stuff like that. So I have used it all, but not necessarily on the day we were meant to. Um, so what are you doing? How, how are you feeling now? How are you making the best of the lockdown now? Because we're homeschooling again now, aren't we? We're homeschooling. I'm basically getting through by by my. I'm, I'm largely fueled by my obsession with Vietnamese fur. So basically, every day I'm boiling up bones and making a broth, and that is the excitement of, of my life at the moment. But um, I mean, to me, that is amazingly exciting. Um, but on a serious note, homeschooling uh, it's better this time. I'd say the kids are that bit older; they've done it before. Um, and they kind of know the drill. We have, we still have good days and bad days, but um, yeah, I'd say it was better than it was before. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. I think it is better than it was before. But you know, it's still, 
you know, it's still quite a, a, a challenge um, yeah. <laughs> not killing them. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I'm trying to be positive. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's pretty horrific a lot of the time. Let, let's not lie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. Now the thing is, of course, now you are uh, quite an inspiration, really, on the whole sort of you know lockdown lemonade front because. Um, you changed your life. You had a, a city slicking, high powered business life, and then you've turned it all around to become a uh, a horticulturalist, a veg grower. In fact, you have your own veg box business. Yeah. Um, so last year was my year. It was supposed to be the year that I do something for me. Um, I saved up, gave up my career, and I got a. a really lucky to get a placement with a scheme called the RAG scheme, W-R-A-G, um, where they retrain people on the job for a year and you get paid, um, which is amazing. So you get one-to-one time for head gardener. So I started that off um, September last year and it was all going swimmingly until March when COVID happened and I couldn't go back. So that's all on hold. Um, I was also learning, I was doing some home learning um for RHS qualifications and when homeschooling happened again that went on hold and it hasn't resumed again so what I'm actually trying to do now is enjoy uh, oh and I also at the same time last year set up my own business um gardening locally with some clients and that kind of snowballed so it turned into like a luckily when when I couldn't do my training anymore I picked up more clients when I when I wasn't homeschooling and stuff like that so that was lucky so um yeah I'm trying to be kind on myself now and I've kind of lengthened my timeline of when I want to get to places in it, you know in my new career to five years rather than doing it all in one year because that clearly I've missed that already now so I grow a lot of my own veg and I where I have clients gardening clients I do I work with them and help them grow a lot of their own food particularly last year where everyone panicked and, and decided to start growing vegetables for the first time so yeah all right and how was that how was I mean I'm, I'm definitely I'm one of those people so now I've got you Tell me about it. Okay, so um, if, if, you know, it's not a great time of year to be locked down, but presumably there's stuff people should be doing in their garden now to get ready to, you know, get planting in that. Yeah, so you can get your beds ready. You can you can start putting some nice fresh fortunia down and the frost uh, over the next few months will help to break that down ready for it to be usable to plant in. Um, if you haven't done so, the one thing that everyone needs to do is to get themselves a composting system. And yeah. you can do that really easily just using pallets and cable tires and stuff like that. So it doesn't have to be expensive. It, it takes you a few hours. And so. what, what goes in the compost? Oh, yes. You need to, it takes a while to get your balance right because obviously your conditions and the environment affect it as well. You know, you need a certain amount of water, you need a certain amount of air because it needs to have aerobic stuff going on. You know, if you let it get anaerobic, then it starts to smell bad and that's not good. So that's why turning is important as well. And you need to get a balance between what they call green and brown. So um, lots of different people say different things. Like the RHS say something like two to one in favour of green to brown. But then other people like Charles Dowding, who, if you're into this sort of thing, he's the guru. He he sometimes, I think, if I remember rightly, goes for like a 50-50 mix. And it basically means green is like your fresh stuff. So your peelings and your, if you, you know, you you prune some stuff that's got like green fleshy soft leaves and your brown is like your cardboard um paper bit like small sticks that are dried out that kind of well, thing cardboard 
Really? Yeah. So if you get your, it's really important. If you get, and also if you get big boxes, big deliveries, you can use it to cover your compost, which helps keep the heat in, but it lets the water through. So it's really good stuff. You know, Laura, uh, as you know, a gardener who's had whole new life start and then go instantly on pause for uh, a couple of years. Tell me, what um, is your lockdown lemonade life lesson that we can all learn if we just listen to your lemonade life lemon lesson lemons? Uh, I think part of the reason I wanted to do the whole change was that I got a bit obsessed with money and material things and wanting more and more and more but I wasn't necessarily happy with it in fact I was very unhappy I was, I was working in a, an organization where there was a lot of bullying going on and stuff like that and I've learned that that's kind of endemic across the city really in, in those sort of jobs it wasn't just me and I didn't really it wasn't enough money to make me put up with that and in fact I don't think any amount of money would have done or it needed to be significant more and I kind of thought, well, I'm not enjoying this. And I've done this this thing, this gig for 20 years now. Um, I really want a job that I enjoy. And I kind of thought, well, you know, there's some lucky people out there that, you know, have those sort of jobs. But I don't know what, what that would be for me. And then I just sort of started thinking, well, what, what is it that makes me happy? And then I stumbled across the whole horticulture thing. So that's when that all happened. And I guess I'm, what I'm saying in a very long-winded way is that what this year I think has taught a lot of people and reinforced with me is that there's certain things that are really important in life and there's certain things that aren't and I think that we live in a culture where we get those things confused and I think that the positive side of Covid and lockdown and everything else is that people started to realise again what what is important um, and that's just the simple things for me it really is about the simple things so growing food um, being with my family through the good times and the bad times. I mean, this sounds a bit sort of, um, I'm allowed to say, a bit wanky, but it, it is true, isn't it? And as I left Laura, I thought to myself, no, actually, that doesn't sound wanky. If, if there's anything that's come out of this lockdown, it's the fact that stuff is just stuff. Uh, but, you know, people and each other, that's really what makes life special and you know if you can't be with other people of course you can always listen to them uh on the uh internet or on your mobile phone of uh, apple's podcasting platform yes go and listen to my podcast please just listen to my podcast oh god just you know what i just i desperately it's been so long it's been such a rubbish christmas i'm hating the lockdown please just like my show please like my show let me show. give me five stars get any stuff i'll take anything i'll take anything at all oh god i i, I meant to say as well sorry i've got to go because we've got an exclusive new track coming out from surreal 80 called ginger and it, it's 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 here first on the podcast. Please just listen to my show. Sorry, I love you. Bye-bye. Sorry. Bye-bye. I love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Brandy snaps. Not just any brandy snaps. Brandy filtered through the liver of an Sugar stolen in dirty sachets from petrol stations. That's